Welcome to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. Some time ago, I remember reading an article about how classical music helped uh, the brain work better. Um, it improved uh, listening to classical music, improved learning and, and other skills. And I can remember a friend of mine when I was studying at uh, university who uh, topped geology at, um, the, uh, at the University of Newcastle while I was there and then uh, later went on to the University of Tasmania like myself and uh, then uh, went on to um, later become the chief exploration geologist for the world's largest mining company. And I remember when I would travel with him in the car, he would play uh, classical music. I also remember um, going to uh, see a, a, an eye specialist one time too. And, and while he um, was examining me again in the background, he was playing um, classical music. And I think, the, you know, it's a interesting aspect uh, of things because on the on often on the um, on the radios particular popular secular stations um, there's only a few that seem to play you know classical music these days and I was also reading recently about Bach uh, the composer um, famous composer who uh, composed over 200 cantatas and uh, Jesus, Joy of Man's Desiring was, was perhaps one of his most famous. It's interesting that I remember reading an article where the, the author wrote that the reason why his music touches your soul is because it comes from the soul. Um, it comes from his soul. And I think this was really, really insightful that... Um, this uh, aspect of it. Uh, this article went on to say, uh, did you know that his cantatas didn't originate as music and that they were prayers before they were songs and that Bach, uh, before he started writing a sheet of music, would uh, scrawl JJ and that stood for Yesu Yuya and uh, it means Jesus help me. And then at the bottom of every composition, he inscribed three letters, S-D-G, and they stand for Solideo Gloria, to the glory of God alone. And so Bach, in his whole work, wanted to, you know, give glory to, to God. And, of course, a, a lot of his music... Um, again, is declaring that Jesus Christ is, is uh, our Lord and uh, related to that. And I was thinking, as we look at creation and as we uh, and look at the amazing creatures and plants in the world around us, it reminds me that when I go out in, in nature and, and just sit there and meditate and then just observe all the, uh, the things around me, just sit quietly for a while and take in all the flowers, plants and the trees that might be flowering, the birds, it's, 
I, I don't know. I, I, there's this sense of awe and wonder that how did these things come to be? And when I look at the complexity of these things, and, and as a chemist I think now, hang on, all of these creatures have a um, instructions to make them that is written in a chemical code, and that chemical code consists of chemical molecules that have been put together and constructed in a way so that they describe what that creature is and what it does, how it works. And then the fact that these you know, creatures can communicate with one another and, and so forth, to me it is just overwhelmingly points to an amazing superintelligence behind this. Uh, this, this whole concept of mechanical evolution just doesn't, doesn't cut it. It doesn't make sense. And I know, you know, biologists around the world are struggling to try and make sense of the theory and, uh, you know, have it the, to explain things. But so many things that it just can't explain. And I, I think, and as I've mentioned perhaps several times before, I think, you know, biologists uh, perhaps don't have the understanding of the complexity of the chemistry involved that would be required to make evolution work if it could work and it's absolutely impossible. And one of the creatures that has impressed me uh, particular is the whale shark, uh, Rincodon typus. It's um, it's a, a huge shark. It's not only the biggest shark but it's also the, the largest fish in the sea. Now, sure, some whales are bigger, but whales are mammals, not fish. It's interesting that um, there are whale sharks that live in the um, Indian Pacific Oceans and, the, and also in the Atlantic Ocean, and they're actually quite, quite uh, genetically quite distinct but they are huge uh, creatures. And, you know, what stimulated this uh, just uh, recently as I had my, uh, some, young, some of the younger of my grandchildren over visiting, and I put on a uh, DVD for them to watch on the Ningaloo Reef, which is a, a coral reef off um, Western Australia, off the um, western, northwestern coast of Western Australia, uh, just south of uh, Exmouth, uh, the the port town of Exmouth. And on this uh, DVD, it had some footage of um, divers um, swimming with these giant creatures. And, of course, seeing the diver near the this shark just made you realise how huge the uh, shark was. They grow to an average of... Um, 30 feet long uh, or 18 metres, but some of them have been found up to 70 feet long or 21 metres long. And, um, you know, that's a, a huge animal, huge animal. And um, uh, the, the name uh, Rincodon um, comes from the Greek word rasp tooth, and that's due to the rough appearance of their teeth, apparently. I um, have been to Exmouth, and I've actually snorkelled out 
on the uh, beautiful coral reefs out there. Um, we didn't go on the uh, tour that went out to swim with the whale sharks. They, at the time we were there, they had some quite steep seas, so it was it was quite rough. And I think some tourists had been injured when their boat hit um, an unexpected wave and they were thrown about quite violently. But um, nonetheless, it, it would be seeing it on video, it's, it's, it's an amazing uh, experience. And I would encourage listeners to, uh, to look up, um, maybe on YouTube, some uh, videos of the whale sharks. They are huge and they just swim along so gracefully. They're beautifully coloured. Their uh, backs and sides are marked with uh, uh, sort of a whole lot of uh, dots uh, and spots of different shapes and um, and also little stripes. And um, apparently each fish has its own uh, unique pattern. And um, it may be how you know sharks recognise each other. And one of the reasons why the divers are happy to swim with them is that they're filter feeders. They, they eat plankton, and it's amazing. They, they eat two to three tonne of plankton a day, and all the, also little small uh, crustaceans and little tiny uh, fish and, and squid, um, you know, less than um, a, a foot long uh, or 30 centimetres long, just small little um, creatures swimming in the sea. And so they, um, the whale sharks suck this vast amount of water as they're swimming along through uh, their wide mouths and then filter through their enormous gills. And that's something that I noticed as I watched these videos. The, the gills are enormous and they seem to be very floppy uh, to me. But, of course, these gills also uh, extract oxygen from the water as well as sieve their food. And it's uh, estimated that their mouths have several thousand tiny uh, teeth. Um, and um, uh, it's, uh, they're really not sure what these teeth are for at the, at the present time. The other thing about the whale sharks is that they're super streamlined. Um, their bodies are so shaped that it, it significantly reduces uh, water drag. And this is one of the, uh, you know, the fascinating things about this. When we think about the genetic code and people you know, often talk about how, oh, well, you know, something like the whale shark has over you know, millions of years evolved to have such an efficient shape. But let's think about it. How can the laws of fluid dynamics direct the function of the DNA code? How can the requirements for the body to be a particular shape change the molecular code? which we know is written using four chemical letters that we abbreviate A, C, T and G. And how can it um, write, how can random mutations write new code to create a body that is so streamlined? To me, it is just so obvious that it's impossible. You can't, and these codes are really complex. The code to construct the, the shape of the whale shark 
and its skin and so forth and all these properties that give it its ability to swim so efficiently through the sea to arise by blind chance mutations. We, the code is so that it's just absolutely impossible. And why isn't the code, why aren't random mutations in the code, for example, producing changes uh, that you'd expect in a butterfly? You know, th- this is the thing. Why, how can evolutionists believe that the mutations just happen to fit the right environmental situation? Because after all, they're just random mutations. They're blind mutations to the code. And of course, obviously, if it was developing a design like a butterfly, um, it would, you know, fail, fail after a while. And of course, the argument is that it's it's natural selection. But when you think of the size of the code to do this, and the number of iterations that there'd have to be, and remember, it has to be an iteration that can survive in the offspring and be reproduced. To me, it just becomes so obvious that these are design features. These are features that have been built into the code by a super-intelligent, supernatural designer. And um, one of the uh, things is the, uh, the whale has very tough uh, scales um, and... Um, of course, scales cover all the um, uh, all sharks, but in this particular case, um, they the scales are like little teeth. They're uh, structurally similar to teeth, and have a hard enamel outer layer, a middle dentine layer, or the bony tissue, and a pulpy inner core. So that's uh, quite interesting. I didn't realise that. So it's really like they're they're covered with with little teeth, <laughs> their their skin. And um, the uh, drag reduction enables the shark to swim at about 24 to 28 uh, kilometres or 15 to 17 miles daily. Um, And um, they swim about um, 8,000 miles a year. And they've been known to dive to the depths of about nearly two kilometres, 1.9 kilometres actually, um, 1.2 miles. So, you know, a very versatile animal. That's a long way down, uh, two kilometres in, in the ocean. One of the fascinating discoveries that scientists have made relatively recently is that um, the whale shark uh, teeth and skin teeth are not just restricted to their mouths and skin, but Unlike other sharks, even their eyes have them. So whale sharks don't actually have eyelids like other sharks do. And with their you know, fairly square, blunt heads, um, their eyes, which are at uh, each corner uh, of their head, are quite exposed and um, actually are quite vulnerable. However, uh, despite this, their eyes are apparently are actually quite well uh, protected. Japanese scientists have discovered thousands of tiny teeth on the whale shark's eye surfaces. And um, so they're actually called eye denticles. So using, uh, you know, special underwater uh, ultrasound and X-ray scans, they were, these scientists were able to show that these tiny eye teeth, 
occurring rings around each iris uh, with about nearly 3,000 little teeth per eye. And um, and they come in four different specialised shapes. Uh, The ones um, uh, from the top, they they look a bit like oak tree leaves, uh, apparently. It's um, quite a a unique and novel way of uh, protecting the whale shark's eyes. And again, this reeks of design, not some sort of random mutation. Um, And I I think it's really incredible. The um, other thing is that one of the issues with the um, teeth on the eyes, of course, from an evolutionary perspective, is to explain their origin. But of course, as I've said, if we look at a creation viewpoint, we can see that um, this is just another amazing design property of the sharks. The um, fossil uh, shark teeth have been uh, discovered. And so, again, um, we know that in the part, these creatures haven't essentially changed over long periods of time. Um, Whale sharks uh, are estimated to live for somewhere between 80 to 130 years. And, um, but it's very, uh, very difficult to uh, know this exactly. Some research that has been done uh, suggests that they add a growth layer to their backbone, to their vertebrae each year. And previously it was believed that this happened twice a year. And um, it's now uh, believed that um, they don't grow quite that fast. So there's still a lot of things to discover and learn about these amazing creatures. The largest uh, fossil uh, bony fish um, is actually not uh, a whale shark. It's um, another uh, uh, fish called a... A Leedsichthyi problematicus, and they've found uh, fossil records, uh, fossils of them that suggest that they grew to about 30 metres or 98 feet, so a little bit bigger than um, the uh, whale shark. The other um, extinct giant uh, shark that perhaps people have um, uh, read about the megalodon or big tooth, and uh, but that shark only reached about uh, fifty-five feet um, in 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 length. But still, it was bigger than much bigger than the great white sharks that we have. But again, not as big as the whale shark, which I said uh, can grow up to about um, seventy feet. So, yeah, they're, they're amazing uh, creatures, the um, whale sharks. The other, other uh, interesting feature of the whale sharks, uh, again, related to their eyes, is that um, originally researchers thought that whale sharks probably didn't have very good eyesight. And so um, to study this, 
researchers filmed a whale shark's eye movements and it was observed that whale sharks were able to closely watch divers who were swimming alongside them. Um, in fact, they found that the whale sharks have an uncanny ability to actually swivel their eyeballs and actually suck them into their eye sockets uh, to protect them. Um, so there's quite interesting mechanisms there all around the structure of the eye. And again, when we're looking at these things, here we have mechanisms that work they're quite unique. They're interesting way um, that the, the works on this sort of amazing giant creature. Again, all these features have to be programmed in the DNA language as um, instructions to construct these things in this chemical code. And again, as we look at all these aspects of these amazing fish, um, it just... Um, uh, points to design, 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 intelligent design, incredible intelligent design. It's interesting, uh, whale sharks um, bear live young and um, the egg actually hatches inside the mother. And um, it's interesting, one shark that was captured off Taiwan in 1995 contained 304 uh, little baby sharks inside. It's um, you know quite again all the the, the reproduction aspects. Um, there's so many fascinating aspects uh, to these sharks. But I think what fascinates me is when you see them just the the films of them just cruising through the water. They're just so huge, and their mouths are so huge they could easily swallow a diver. Easily swallow a diver. Just open the mouth and swallow a diver. And um, but yet they don't. They're not not interested in eating eating humans. And humans can can swim around them. I guess uh, we have the story that uh, Jonah was um, swallowed by a a giant fish. Maybe you know some people. Maybe it was a a whale shark uh, type of uh, fish that uh, swallowed uh, Jonah. Again, you know, I think that, um, you know, the Bible's record of this and, and how Jonah survived, I mean, we don't know, but it was obviously a miracle and God used this giant fish um, to take uh, Jonah to, you know, the coast there near Nineveh so that um, he could take that message uh, to Nineveh. And it's quite clear that there are certainly fish that are big enough to, to, to do that. And, of course, it would have been a miracle. God would have preserved Jonah within that, uh, within that fish at that time. So I hope uh, this one might inspire you to, um, yes, to have a look on the internet for pictures of the whale sharks. And uh, it's certainly one of my, uh, the, the um, Ningaroo Reef was one of my uh, most favourite places in Australia. I remember we stayed at a place uh, called Coral Bay 
on the West Coast. And it was amazing. You, we uh, stayed um, uh, there. You uh, stay in, there's a caravan park and accommodation right next to the beach. And you just walk across the beach into the water and about 50 metres uh, from the shoreline, you're swimming over beautiful coral in amongst uh, amazing fish and, and other creatures. It's truly a, an amazing place. And then, of course, a little bit further out, there's uh, on outside of the reef, of course, that's where the, the whale sharks are. Of course, uh, tiger sharks also inhabit the area, so one has to uh, be careful uh, there. Uh, but you know, I'm absolutely fascinated with these uh, creatures. And to me, um, they just clearly point that evolution is absolutely impossible. And this whole concept, as I said, of these little teeth covering and protecting the eyes is, is, is quite amazing, um, an amazing uh, you know, design feature of these sharks. Remember that um, there's so many good articles now that are available on the internet that provide the powerful evidence for creation and why um, evolution is impossible. Uh, I recommend the site um, www.creation.com. Um, they have a lot of articles there with their references to the peer-reviewed scientific um, articles um, to support uh, creation. They have a lot of resources on that uh, website. And also, um, of course, I've uh, presented in my book um, Evolution Impossible, 12 Reasons Why Evolution Can I Explain the Origin of Life. Um, I systematically set out the evidence that we have together with um, the uh, references to the uh, scientific literature as to why evolution is absolutely impossible. And these books are available in the usual online booksellers around the world, Book Depository, Amazon and so forth, Kurong in Australia. Um, and also there's uh, my book, In Six Days, Why 50 Scientists Choose to Believe in Creation. Um, each one of the uh, contributors to that book uh, held a doctorate degree and they explain why they choose to believe in creation. When I wrote to them, I simply asked them, why do you choose to believe in creation? And this book is their responses. Again, if you go to the website creation.com and do a search on In Six Days, um, that uh, all the chapters of that book are available there as a free download. And remember, as I've uh, talked on this program, uh, uh, Faith and Science, um, you can uh, simply Google 3ABN Australia, or one word, .org.au, and click on the Listen button. And while you're on the uh, 3ABN australia.org.au website. Remember, there are also um, the television programs that are there. And if you go to the TV catch-up, there is a series, Evolution Impossible, in which I uh, discuss and answer questions on each chapter of the, the book. Um, all these things are really, in my view, uh, helpful resources that are out there to 
have uh, resources for you to share with other people. And so please remember on your Facebook pages and other and Twitter and so forth to alert people of uh, these programs and other resources that are available that clearly demonstrate that evolution is impossible. The scientific evidence supports creation. And remember, too, that these uh, programs are also available as podcasts on the different podcast sites. I'm Dr John Ashton. Have a great day. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.